activities these last few days. Um, I'm going to sit down. I have uh, done One more. of was he went playing tennis with my son. So, it's Mitchell and I braved the courts in the heat. Been thinking that I was still 30, I came home and worked in the yard till 10 after 8. I uh, didn't bounce out of bed the next morning to run over to Greg's to then go work like crazy at the <laughs> concession stand. So my back's tired. <laughs> um, there is an advantage in, in growing old in Christ, though. That's right. Your that's sins right. become clearer to you every day. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> in your stupidity, right? right. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> Today's message is, uh, I'm kind of glad I'm facing y'all so I don't have to watch Greg's eyes roll around back there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll make you behave. Thank you. That doesn't preclude the grunt. That's right. <laughs> Amens only. No, just, uh, okay. Um, we're going to look at one verse in the book of Micah. Um in some ways, the message seems a little bit uh, ill-timed when you think about where our fellowship is. You know, we've, we're diving into a really busy time with the concessions and crosswave ministry, uh, uh, marriages, and you know where you know where Joyce is. Uh, just all the things that are going on, um, and it's—I mean—we've got enough to deal with right within our own little. Gateway Christian Fellowship family, you know, the things that are going on here. And yet, as I started reading the book of Micah and realized, you know, there is a bigger picture. Um, God's story continues. Um, he's writing a chapter that we're a part of, uh, but it's it's a big chapter, and, you know, I don't really think we really know what all this chapter is being written when you look at the way our country is, where the nations are, uh, the number of leaders that have um, been overthrown. Just like in the Old Testament, people are put down by God today, you know. And I, you know, I, I think I've probably got more um, questions than I do answers from, from studying all this stuff because, you know, I, I found myself asking myself, well, does God deal with men today just like he did in the Old Testament? Or did Calvary make a difference? And if it did, you know, you know that wrath has, has, has quelled some, but has his character changed from before Calvary to after Calvary? No. You know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, does he deal with nations today like he did in the Old Testament? And can I learn anything about looking at his thoughts and his ways and how he dealt with nations back then. So um, I read this one verse and it's just launched me on just kind of going all over the place. But I wanted to share it with you and in light of us having a time of praying some maybe in small groups after the message, either depending on how God speaks to you, whether it's you personally, whether it's for the church of the Lord, or whether it's for our nation or world. And so it just depends kind of on what God drops in your heart and your mind as, as I'm 
you know, talking about these things this morning. So, the verse is in Micah, which I've already told you. It's Micah, the first chapter. And it's the 13th verse. Harness the chariot to the team of horses, O inhabitant of Lachish. She was the beginning of sin to the daughter of Zion, because in you were found the rebellious acts of Israel. I read that verse, and I don't know, just something said, wow, now what is that all about? And the thing that caught my attention was, for in you were the beginning of, of sin for the daughter of Zion, the rebellious acts of Israel. And so I started kind of looking at this, and, and you'll have to go to your imagination station because I'm going to kind of show you what the map looks like because the Sea of Galilee is right here, and then right here is the Dead Sea, and what connects them is the Jordan River, okay? So right here, up here is Israel. Up here are the Assyrians, all right? Right at the top of the Dead Sea is Jerusalem. There's a little mountain passage that comes down here. And Lachish is down here. And the Philistines are over here, okay? So Micah gives this prophecy during the divided when the kingdom's divided. So you've got Israel up here, the capital of Israel is Samaria, and the capital of Judah obviously is Jerusalem. And so here we have this little town down here called Lachish, and in them was the beginning of the sins were found the sins of Israel. How did that happen? How did these people down here, God looks down at a a city that's that far removed from the land of Israel, a part of the tribe of Judah, and says, in you were the beginning of the sins for which eventually became the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, as you read through the book of Micah, it's interesting because it's basically three prophecies there. And it's Micah's looking at the time during Hezekiah. So three people really were trying to change the people's hearts during that time. Micah, Isaiah, and Hezekiah. Two prophets and a king that God was trying to use to call back his people during this particular time. Well, you know, I looked at this and I thought, well... What were the rebellious acts of Israel um, and if you go over to Second Kings, somewhere in here I've got Second Kings, chapter 17. I'll read verses 9 through 17 just for a flavor of the rebellious acts of Israel. The sons of Israel did things... Now listen to this. I don't know what your Bible says. Did things secretly which were not right against the Lord their God. This is interesting to me. Did things secretly. Well, um, couldn't have been too secret if it's been written about in (laughs) 
Second Kings and Second Chronicles, and it certainly wasn't secretly before the Lord. So, it's interesting that they thought it was that they thought it was secret. And so here we are. They did things which were not right against the Lord their God. Moreover, this is what their rebellion was. They built for themselves high places in all their towns, from watchtower to fortified city. They set for themselves sacred pillars in the ashram on every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burned incense on all the high places as the nations did, which the Lord had carried away to exile before them. And they did evil things, provoking the Lord. They served idols, concerning which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments, my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you through my servants, the prophets. However, they did not listen, but stiffened their neck like their fathers, who did not believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his statutes and his covenant, which he made with their fathers and his warnings with which he warned them. And they followed vanity and became vain. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? If you follow vanity, then you become vain. And went after, and went after the nations which surrounded them. I want you to think, whenever the word nations, when we read that in here, the thing that I think of, to try to apply it to myself today, is the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, is the church gone after the culture around us? Good question, isn't it? They fors- uh, going on to verse 16, they forsook all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves molten images, even two calves, and made an Asherah and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. Made two calves. When, when the kingdom divided, everybody knew that you had to go to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. But the king of Israel didn't want his people, the other ten tribes, he didn't want them going to, to Jerusalem. So he made calves. Do they ever have calves in their history before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. So he made calves and encouraged the people to stay in Israel and worship there and he appointed false priests to administer everything. So he basically set up a false religion for the people in Israel for their convenience and to keep them loyal to him rather than them traveling down and obeying God. And so they that's what they did. Verse 17, Then they made their sons and their daughters pass through the fire and practiced divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord provoking him. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. None was left except the tribe of Judah. If you look at Micah's prophecy, he goes through and he talks about, he warns the both Israel and Judah. Israel really already knows that they're apostate, but Judah is kind of orthodox in that Hezekiah has come in 
His father Ahaz has been a bad king. Hezekiah comes in. He's 25 years old. Um, he's, he, he, re- he cleanses the temple through, through the, the, the priest. And then he sets up and has uh, reinstitutes Passover. They have a Passover. And there's revival there in the land. And so the people go out and they tear down all the bells and all the ashram and all the, all the idols in, in, in Judah. But Israel is being uh, attacked now by the Assyrians. And as foretold in Micah, um, Israel, uh, Samaria is destroyed. And the, all the people are exiled and carry, carried away to another land. Just like Micah said. Now what's interesting is um, this little town called Lachish down here in the bottom really shows up in the in early Bible history as the people that oppose the Israelites. The king of Lachish and four other kings in those cities were the ones that came out to fight Joshua. And so it was a pagan city to begin with. Joshua defeated those five kings and then the city came under the control and influence of the Israelites at that time. And so it, it then, that's when it kind of began its history of, of becoming uh, a city that where the Lord, where the Lord was feared. Um, and so they, this became like the key city in southern Judah to protect Ju- Jerusalem because it was right on the Philistine border. So it had some of the largest walls, the largest gate of any fortified city in the area was here. And so this was a massive uh, compound that was built up to protect the heart of Judah, which was Jerusalem. And it sort of guarded this southern pass that everybody had to kind of go through to go up through the mountains to, to attack Judah. Well, what was interesting is after um, the king of Assyria had attacked Israel, he set his sights on Judah. But Judah was in the midst of revival because of the leadership of Hezekiah, Isaiah, and Micah. Except Micah realized that it was a revival in form only, kind of denying the power. That's kind of where they were. You know, if you look at our church today, the church at large, you know, we have a, a form of religion, but a lot of the, the body of Christ denies the power of, of the good news Bill was talking about earlier. And so that's where Micah saw the heart of the, the people of Judah. And so he foretold that, that this little town was going to fall. And so that's what happened. The town that was built and fortified to protect Jerusalem from the Philistines was eventually conquered by the Assyrians. And it's kind of interesting because as I thought about that, I thought, we well, you know, that's kind of what we do. We, 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 know where our, we know where our weak points are as a, as a person, personally, and so we guard against that. And yet, oftentimes, <coughs> where we find ourselves sinning, we're blindsided from some other side. And that's kind of what this little town happened to them. They, they were fortified against one people group and another people group came in and conquered them. Well, what's interesting is if you look at this particular time, the king, the king of Assyria then sent delegates 
to Jerusalem and said, you, you need to surrender because I have conquered everything. No, no, gods have, no gods have helped anybody, including your God. And Hezekiah took you know, that before the Lord along with Isaiah, and he was assured that they would be spared. And the city of Jerusalem was spared because what happened is the king of Assyria who had set up his, his control at Lachish after he had conquered it then moved to conquer something else. And the Bible says, And the Lord sent an angel and killed 185,000 of his men in one night. Now, I don't know how that happened, but an effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. <laughs> I mean, Hezekiah laid down before the Lord in the temple and spread out this proclamation of, of, of um, the king of Assyria's representatives who, who was basically saying, your God cannot stand against us. And he said, this is what they're saying about you, O Lord. And so God moved. Like, oh yeah, well I'll show you who I am. And so the king of Assyria went back home Defeated and was killed in his own temple by his own family. Well, what's interesting is Hezekiah uh, was, a, you know, he was the one that was granted another 15 years of his life because right at the same kind of time when all this happened is when he became mortally ill. And so um, he pleaded with the Lord. The Lord gave him 15 more years of life and assured him that there would be peace in his country but what happened is as Micah foretold later on in, in, in a number of years later it was actually Nebuchadnezzar who came and conquered Jerusalem and so what was interesting about this whole scripture to me was the importance that this city played in the heart of Judah which Jerusalem in that city, the daughter of Zion is Jerusalem. If you if you if you're not sure who the daughter of Zion is, so of how important this particular city was in guarding the security of Jerusalem, and yet its strength it crumbled really in the Lord's eyes from within. You understand that it wasn't that it was necessarily the judgment of the Lord on conquering it was because of what was happening inside the city. That these people, although they had a form of religion and they acknowledged outwardly their temple worship, in their hearts um, they still were looking to other gods for prosperity. They were treating one another like they shouldn't, you know. And if you go on through the book of Micah, you know it says it, Micah asked this rhetorical question: uh, What is what does God require of man? And what, what answer does he give? Does anybody remember it, that scripture? Those three things. Those were the three things that they weren't doing, which they would have been doing if their heart had been turned to the Lord. I mean, the, the, the king of Israel actually took 200,000 of his brothers and sisters from Judah and exiled them to his country to make them slaves. And they had just and God had delivered them generations earlier from being slaves and told them never to enslave their brothers and sisters. And fortunately, there were men there that said, We can't do this, send them back home. And they did. But 
within this little city, they practice the same things that the people in Israel practice in turning to other gods and taking advantage of one another and taking bribes, if you go on and read through here. And, and so as I read this, I thought, you know, the importance of praying like Hezekiah did when we, when we see the situation our nation is in, when we see the situation there is with Syria and all the things that can kind of begin to domino depending on how those people respond, which depends on how we respond. Um, and you know, you look at our nation as a nation and as, as a leader of our nation, we're not a Christian nation. You know, so a part of me says we shouldn't go over there and do anything as a nation but as the people of God when our brothers and sisters are being targeted over there in that country and and exterminated we are our brother's keeper so you know there's this kind of divide about well what do you do I kind of want to support the nation but the nation doesn't represent me you know and it's not a threat to our security or anything over there but I read, a, read one article that said the forces over there forced 80,000 people out of this one town. This is just recently. I don't remember the name of the town. That was largely all Christians. You know, that, that, there are my brothers and sisters that are either being tortured, killed, or exiled from their home. You know, how do I do justice in a situation like that? I don't, I don't know other than to pray for them, you know. But I, I just really felt like Hezekiah in this particular time, you know, he was a, he was a, a man who had integrity. He was a man who was godly. Um, he, he was a person that his heart was after the Lord, but he did what he could do, but he couldn't by himself change the hearts of his people. Um, he had a desire to do right in the face of um, coming difficulties which he saw what was happening in the nations around him the, the king of Assyria was just coming and taking over everything so in the face of those difficulties he still complete, He prepared for it he strengthened his city he strengthened Jerusalem he made shields he built walls he did all these things but he completely trusted God even while he was preparing for the difficulty. And then the other thing that he tried to do was to let the nations know that God was God. Now we're really good about that part. You know? Are we really good about our own integrity, you know, with with desiring to do right? I think so. Are we really good about preparing for the difficulty ahead do we even see it uh, and yet at the same time trusting completely in God you know we, we have some difficult years in front of us I think um, and there's nothing that I see in, 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 in the heart of us as a nation that says God's going to relent hmm. you know God tends to God tends to discipline nations in the very way that he blesses them. And this nation has been blessed immensely with prosperity. And we have not used it very wisely. 
And so I think he will discipline us again somehow or another in that whole area of finances. Uh, these are all just my ideas, you know, but I just have had a great burden to like pray for our nation, pray for this whole situation with Syria, try to understand the signs of the times, uh, you know, not like all the revelation preachers, but just, Lord, you do have us in a season, you know, and your kids and my kids are going to be in a season that there, you know, there's some ramifications from the way our generation has walked. Um, what can we do at this point as, as part of the church? I think we can pray. You know, we can, we can spread out our hands before the Lord and kind of get His mind on it and ask, ask Him, you know. You know, it's interesting because in, in the, the verse that's used out of Chronicles for, for intercession says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and repent then I will hear and heal the land. He's not saying that the government needs to change. He's saying his people. His people need to humble themselves and repent. And he'll hear our prayer and heal our land. You know, there. I have been one that doesn't get too involved in the nation because um, maybe naively I kind of... I kind of walk this walk that I'm a stranger and alien here. My citizenship's in heaven. Yeah, it is. But there's a responsibility I'm beginning to realize to, to try to be a little bit more involved in things. And You know, there were godly people that lived in Lachish. Everybody wasn't that way. There's always a remnant somewhere. But you know, when it came time to destroy the, the nation the city everybody was destroyed everybody was destroyed you know it puts a little bit different color on things when you think well God's grace will get me through yes it will but it doesn't mean there won't be difficult times for us you know we need to prepare for them and at the same time you know we need to humble ourselves and we need to walk in integrity and I just um, you know I Maybe this is the difficulty of doing this. Is like, God, is this for me? And now I'm telling everybody else what's for me, or is this for all of us? I mean, you know, the Lord has to bear witness about that with you all. But this is kind of what I've been walking in in the last three, four, five weeks. Is just, okay, what's my part? To be a man of integrity, to prepare, you know, and to make sure in whatever platform God gives me to let people know that God is God just like Hezekiah did uh, and so I, I just feel like we should take this opportunity you know and, and the opportunities God gives us as we gather together um, to address things that are a little bit bigger than Gateway Christian Fellowship and so I, I just would encourage us this morning to maybe let's just get in small groups and kind of Share, you know, what you feel like God's put on your heart, and then pray, pray into that. It may be personally. It's like, you know, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, I need to be a little bit more discerning about where does sin begin for me. Um, is it, you know, when I find myself getting tripped up and sinning in some thought or attitude or action, where have I been? 
What have I been reading? What have I let come through my eye gate and my ear gate? That's for me. You know, then you know you can expand that for us as a church, for the church of God, for us as a nation, for the city of Raleigh or Apex or whatever. And so I think, you know, I think it's a time to really trust God for discernment, but once we have it, do something with it. You know, a lot of, we're in the information age. Oh wow, that's cool. I'm glad I saw that. But what are we gonna do with it? You know, God's gonna give that to you one time and if you're not faithful to do something with it, probably not gonna get a whole lot more discernment because you're we're not very trustworthy to to take it and use it for whatever purpose he gave it. So I'm gonna shut up <laughs> and um, let you guys kind of get in groups. If some of you want to go in there, that's fine. And just let's just take some time and, and wait on God and pray. And then, Bill, as you feel led, maybe you just call us back together to, to, to worship. Because that would be a response of thanksgiving, mm-hmm. that He hears us, mm-hmm. that He hears our heart. Okay?